Hi, I'm Jeff Ray, your host for Economic Outlook. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll make plans each week to tune in on WNIT or WNIT2 online at WNIT.org or listen to our podcasts on the show on most major podcast platforms. The pandemic saw a boom in new Black-owned businesses, the largest surge in the last quarter century. This week, we'll sit down with some Black business leaders, entrepreneurs to talk more about why that is and some of the resources available to those considering starting a business coming up on Economic Outlook. Before we get started here at WNIT, we're respecting social distancing and as such have both our hosts and our guests joining us today virtually instead of in person. Last year, there were more new Black-owned businesses proportionate to the total population than any time in the last quarter century, according to the Kauffman Foundation's annual study. Black entrepreneurism ranked higher than white-owned and Asian-owned companies the group found. Joining me today to talk more about the growth in Black-owned businesses and to share some success stories and available resources are Brandon Campbell, the director of the Women's Business Center at the Cornerstone Alliance, Bianca Nash-Mio, the owner of Birth Queens and Milk Queens serving Southwest Michigan, and Lakeisha Jackson, the owner of Soulful Kitchen in South Bend. Welcome, everybody. Thank you. Hello. Well, sure, sure appreciate uh, you joining us today for an important topic. And I think you, you, we've picked you because you've got some great success stories uh, that we think are valuable for our, our viewers to hear. And we appreciate your willingness to come uh, join us today and share some of that success. Maybe, maybe for the beginning point in the conversation, just even kind of a, an introduction in terms of what it is you do. I sort of um, teased, you know, kind of your titles already, but, but uh, Brandon, let's start with you and, and tell us a little bit about the um, Women's Business Center and the work that you do there. Yes. So the, the WBC at Cornerstone Alliance is a resource partner of the U.S. Small Business Administration that focuses on helping small businesses with an emphasis on supporting women, Blacks, Latinx, veterans, and economically disadvantaged entrepreneurs start and grow businesses in Barron, Cass, and Van Buren counties. So for little to no cost, the WBC offers one-on-one -on -one business counseling, topical trainings, technical assistance, and helping them gain access to financial capital and resources. Me personally and professionally, I have well over 15 years of experience as an entrepreneur. I started many different businesses that have been successful in different markets, such as the Little Rock market, where I'm originally from, as well as Baton Rouge, New Orleans, and Dallas-Fort Worth area. So I bring a lot of experience to the table to really help guide uh, entrepreneurs in Southwest Michigan. Great, Brandon, thank you, appreciate it. And we look forward to diving in a little bit uh, deeper. Bianca, let me come your way. Tell us a little bit about your business. Perfect. So Birth Queens and Milk Queens is a company that I founded. Um, WBC was absolutely amazing in helping me with that. But we offer breastfeeding um, and birth doula services, education and advocacy services for families, mostly black and brown families and biopic families, uh, but for all families throughout Southwest Michigan. Great. Thank you. And Laquisha, let's come your way. Tell us a little bit about your business. So um, I'm a foodie in general. Soulful Kitchen uh, LLC is a catering company that I founded in 2019. And then Hope for the Hungry is a non-for-profit organization. We feed families who suffer from food insecurities. And I founded that in 2020. And uh, so Soulful Kitchen really is um, an, an, a company that is here to meet the needs of all foodies. We help foodies get to the next level. We teach search safe training classes which helps foodies to learn how to handle food properly and get certified. In fact, you cannot even, you can't even start a food business without that certification. Um, we do cooking classes, 
we feed families who suffer from food insecurities. We want to start, you know, uh, community gardens and different things like that. So we're just all around foodies and um, I help foodies. Great. No, thank you. I appreciate that. Bianca, I want to come back your way a little bit because because I'm 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 always um appreciative of entrepreneurs and the the risks they take. It's it's a it can be a, a tough road to tell us a little bit about your journey. You're you're um probably working somewhere else. You make the decision that you see a need in the community, you decide to to go out on your own and, and start a business. Help walk us through that journey a little bit, help us understand that. Absolutely. So my journey really comes from my lived experience. Um, it started in 2020, where I actually started the journey. But way before then, probably about five years ago, when I first started having children, I noticed there was a huge need for lactation support and doula support and just any type of support for women during their postpartum time. Um, specifically for me, after I had my children, there was really nobody to turn to. And being in a rural area, most of the hospitals are 45 minutes drive on back roads. And those of you who live in rural areas know you're on a two lane highway or you have to get on a regular highway and you have to make some decisions that if you have barriers may not be easy to make. So for me, I, I noticed I needed all of these services and there were nowhere to be found. And I made up my mind within myself that I was going to step into the shoes of the services that I did not see. So when 2020 came around, um, the pandemic hit and my job sent everyone home and everyone was working virtually and we were just trying to figure out how to navigate through this new normal. I decided to pivot into working from home, but it just was not working. And my job laid me off and I was like, you know what, this is my time right now. So I decided with my family that I was going to start stepping into these shoes that I felt that God led me to. And it has absolutely taken off. Great. No, thank you for sharing that story. So Brandon, I want to, I want to come your way because, uh, you know, obviously the pandemic has been hard on, on, uh, on people working at other places, on small businesses, all of them. Are you seeing uh, other examples like Bianca's where, uh, where a work situation, I mean, what, what, what's the impetus behind um, the, the growth in new businesses now, uh, similar to Bianca's story? Yes, uh, very much similar. So when you think of the, the, the events that occurred during the uh, COVID-19, during the beginning of the pandemic, you had a lot of entrepreneurs uh, or budding entrepreneurs, I will say, um, that in a sense lost trust in the system, so to speak, the corporate system. Um, also, when we're talking about Black families, you have women most of the time that are the head of the, uh, head of the household. And so their, their salary and their money, whether they're married or not, their salary is very important. So what you saw was when COVID-19 you know, happened, it kind of uprooted the, the, the normal for a lot of them. Where they had to make some major decisions, whether it was due to being laid off or furloughed, as Bianca just mentioned, but it also, you got to think about the impact that happened in schools. I have three daughters myself, and, and I have a wife, and just thinking about some of the challenges that she had she had to make those decisions for our family as far as her work schedule. She had to be more flexible. And so what it what happened was you had individuals who either they lost their job. We saw the same thing happen during the Great Recession at the end of uh, the, uh, the first part of, two, of the 2000s, late 2000s, where individuals lost trust um, in uh, the corporate structure and believing that they can climb that ladder, so to speak. But then you also had individuals who were already already had side businesses to help supplement income. So then when the COVID-19 happened and you had issues such as childcare, where you had to, 
you know, reorganize, kind of pivot your lifestyle and also be there to take care of your little ones. Um, I think it really um, increased people's focus on themselves, their, their, their household, uh, their lifestyle, but also ways to make money that can help generate a generational wealth. And so even during this time, if you can recall um, earlier during the pandemic, the study came out um, that came out that mentioned that that blacks here in the United States were were 10 times poorer than their white peers. And so when you see studies like that and you start taking the time uh, to recognize where you are, because that's what happens when the pandemic where we're at home. Right. And we're we're looking around and we're and we were like in a lot of businesses and a lot of entrepreneurs were like, what can I do to help increase or improve my lifestyle? And I think now was the time for them to start depending and investing in themselves. I've had entrepreneurs who, and I've even coached them on, you know, while you're uh, at home during this pandemic, how can you increase your, your skills uh, and also reinvest your time in your business? So when it comes time to, you know, be brought back, you can make a decision that, Am I going to go back to the office or am I going to go full fledged into my business? And I had clients who did that. So I was really encouraging them um, to really to really focus on their business and find ways that they can grow and develop it so that they can never, not to say this in a bad way, but never return to a place where they were unhappy in mm -hmm. the first place. Because even you think about going back, you know, even before the pandemic, there were challenges in, in workforce anyway, right? Um, and you had entrepreneurs or you had Blacks who are in these jobs, corporate in these corporate uh, jobs, who didn't really feel that they could really grow uh, and develop within an organization. Mm -hmm. And so when, like I said, it was almost like a, a, the best case scenario for a lot of them to go ahead and jumpstart their career and start their own businesses uh, as an entrepreneur. And I would just say this, since the pandemic, the WBC has thrived in helping uh, black entrepreneurs, particularly um, in Southwest Michigan. So for instance, in 2021 alone, our, our black client base has increased 11%, you know, over the time of our, of our existence. So our, our WBC started in 2004. And so roughly we were at 33% historically. Now we're at 44%. Our minority uh, membership or our client base has grown as well too. Now our WBC is 50-50, you know, white, but also people of color as well too. I just want to also kind of piggyback off of what Brandon said. And if you just kind of take me back into my situation, prior to starting Soulful Kitchen, I worked in food, in the food industry for over 19 years one job for 16 years, losing that job, and then decided that, you know what, I'm going to start this food business. Then the food business is thriving, and then the pandemic hits. Then what do you do when you have clients emailing you saying, hey, we need to cancel this event because of the pandemic. We can't have events. So I pivoted and started Hope for the Hungry, which is a non-for-profit organization. The thing about Hope for the Hungry and my approach with Hope for the Hungry is relatable to my upbringing and my childhood as well with my grandmother and us walking to get food assistance and things like that growing up. So what I want to do with that, through that organization, through Hope for the Hungry, we want to implement um, self-sufficiency programs. And so, and what that means is we want people 
to, of course, come and get food if they need food, if they need assistance. But we also want them to be eventually, be, you know, get on the the giving side where they be, where they can become self sufficient. And self sufficiency looks different from everybody else. It doesn't matter, you know. Some people who come through our pantry lines may have a home and work a job because just because you work a nine to five does not mean that you're not suffering from food insecurities, or you could be homeless living under a bridge, but how can we help these people? And of course, I know that takes a community and, and a lot of resources to help people become self-sufficiency, uh, self-sufficient. But again, that measure is different from each individual. And, um, and as far as soulful kitchen goes, um, you know, we also have a problem with that with foodies. You know, we don't have a community kitchen in the city of South Bend that's sustainable for foodies to start a small food business. Here I am, I graduated with a degree in hospitality administration. Now I want to start this food business, but how do I start it? Where is this kitchen at? And then when the pandemic hit, kitchens begin to close down. So if you're an entrepreneur who's no longer working your job and you started this business and there is no kitchen for you to continue on with your business, how do you continue with your business? So I just thought about all the things that you said, Brandon, and how, you know, the problems that you're solving, your organization is solving to help women, uh, mothers, that is great, that's wonderful. So I just wanted to applaud you for that. Yeah, Laquisha, I want to stay with you for a second, because I, I think you make a, a, a great point there. You, as you illustrate some of the struggles um, during the pandemic, in particular with your industry, because I think some folks might have been thinking right away, um, let me go back to something more stable, right? Something more regular, something more paycheck. You though made the decision to, to stick it out and pivot. So, so talk about just sort of that, because I, I, th I think that's a, a challenge for entrepreneurs who think that, you know, maybe if it, 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 maybe if it doesn't work as exactly as I thought it was gonna work at the beginning, maybe I should, I'm a failure, I should go back and do something else. You didn't think that. Talk a little bit about that, that process. Yeah, so I pivoted, but I also use the tool or use the item or the product that I've already been using. So I'm a foodie, I cook food, I serve food um, at elegant events, weddings, business meetings, things like that. However, those things ended because of the pandemic, but I'm also going to continue to serve food in another way, in another form, in a different approach, meaning giving food away to help families who suffer from food insecurities, which was the perfect time because it is the pandemic. Even people who were who work, you know, in corporate America or have good paying jobs were still struggling financially due to the pandemic. So I think it came easy for me because I've already had a platform with Soulful Kitchen and then I pivoted and, and started feeding families. I got my 501c3. I utilized local resources to help me, you know, complete that um, application to get that form submitted and um, just moved forward with that. But I think, again, using this food, sticking to what I know how to do, using the gift that I have, and being myself is kind of what helped me with hope for the hunger and pivot so so easily. So the transition wasn't that bad. Great, Bianca. I want to come your way. Laquisha um, talked about the resources um, that she was able to tap into. As you're contemplating, you know, back in time, starting my own business, filling filling this need. What are what are one? I guess did you start thinking or knowing there were resources available and and two um you know what 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 resources uh, were most helpful to you as you were getting getting going yeah so that is an excellent question when i first started i was not aware of what resources were available i really didn't have the bandwidth to do much research um because as an entrepreneur you, you just really hit the ground running you're the secretary you're the mm -hmm. boss you're the accountant, you're all of those things. So you really don't always have the bandwidth. And I mean, that's just your business. That doesn't talk about the family portion that also takes on a big portion of your life. So 
I just so happened to be having a meeting with a friend of mine who does a similar uh, work that I, and she was telling me about WBC. And she was saying, you know, they've helped me so much. And I'm like, you know, I need to get my business together. I'm starting to make more money. I'm getting in larger amounts of money. I'm getting more recognition. And at that time, I was accepting some grants that were of larger amount. And she was like, hey, go talk to them and tell them that I referred you. And I went and I talked to them and Brandon helped me along the way. And it's been so excellent. Um, because as I said, as an, as an entrepreneur, you have so many balls that you're juggling and you're like, where do I go for this? Where do I go for that? I mean, even right now, we're during the time of the year where it's tax time. And you're thinking about, okay, who's going to be my accountant? Do I write this mm -hmm. off on my taxes? Do I claim this? Do I do this? You have mm -hmm. all these questions. So WBC was a really, really amazing resource and is still an amazing resource to continue helping my business and to also help me partner with other businesses that can take some of those things off of my plate that I don't have the capacity or bandwidth for. So, yeah. Thank Great. You. No, th thank you for sharing that experience. I would like, can I, I would like to jump in here as well, too, yeah. just uh, kind of piggybacking off what Bianca was saying. You know, for me as an entrepreneur uh, in my own right, I can recall, you know, running my own business back in Arkansas for 10 years. It was a fashion like events and managed talent management uh, firm in three different markets. And so during this time period, you know, I've worked 10 years straight, you know, nose to the ground, you know, using my own funding, creating my own resource as far as like people to help, uh, help me. But at the same time, you know, I didn't know that there were any resources. I didn't know that there was a WBC in my own backyard. I didn't know there was an SBA in my own backyard score. Um, mm -hmm. So when I when I got the opportunity to transition from entrepreneur full time to working in economic development, the local chamber who reached out to me to to be the director of diversity and small businesses was, you know, was very uh, direct in telling me that my role would be providing resources to people of color and women, those same groups that experience barriers always. And so when he told me this my initial thought was resources, they're resources. And so I, I say that because every day that I go into the office, I think about what I can do to provide the resources to the people that need it the most. And as you see here at the WBC, we have created so many resources, even in the time span that I've been here. And our goal is to make sure individuals such as Bianca and LaQuisha know about it so that they, they can not only just start a business, but that they can maintain a business and sustain a business over time and also grow that business. And so I just, just wanted to mention that as well. Great. Thank you, Brandon. I appreciate this great point. Let, let's talk globally and maybe I'll throw it out there to any of you. And I, you know, I, I teased in the opening there that, 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 the signs are encouraging in terms of the number of Black-owned uh, businesses um, uh, that are growing, especially in the, in the last couple of years. However, um, historically, we haven't done very well. You know, so the, the, popul the Black population, I think, if I remember right, was was 13%, but only about 2% of them owned businesses. So talk a little bit about historically um, some of the challenges that, that have, have existed and, and how we're uh, trying to get past those and help entrepreneurs like Bianca and, and Lapisha um, get going. Yes. And so for instance, you know, the WBC for three decades, we have been the premier and reliable entrepreneur support organization 
for small black uh, businesses in Southwest Michigan. And so we have, we have a lot of data and we've done a lot of research on this topic here. So for instance, uh, we have helped uh, 59 businesses get started in predominantly black populated Bend Harbor over the, over the span of our existence. And so some of the challenges uh, that you've seen over time with uh, entrepreneurs, especially black entrepreneurs has been access to capital, but not, as, not just access to capital, but how do you manage that capital when you receive it, right? Uh, so there's technical uh, skills or technical assistance, which we provide. Another piece has been marketing and branding. And so marketing has been a big piece. That was a, that was a huge challenge for black businesses before the pandemic. So the pandemic just shine additional light on that. Um, also access to the resources. And so what we've done as an organization here the WBC, we're doing a lot more outreach and going to these businesses to share with them the resources, using technology such as our newsletters and social media, letting them know about uh, state funded um, um, and also uh, national, nationally funded programs as well too. But then also too is that what we've been doing is, is utilizing um, resources that we have in house and also from the federal government. Uh, during the pandemic, the SBA, they provided us uh, with a COVID grant to help support all businesses, particularly black and brown businesses. So what we did was with the, at the WBC, would be very proactive and strategic in our partnerships and also in our programming to kind of meet these black businesses where they are. So for instance, we solved some of the challenges far as with marketing. We developed a, a client directory on our website, cornerstonewbc.com, that lists all of the, the, the reputable uh, businesses legal businesses here in our area, including Black-owned businesses. So if you're looking to do business with a, with a Black-owned business in our three-county area, you can go to our website and you can find that. Also, it helps businesses such as Bianca LaQuisha get referrals as well, too. And so that's a way of marketing them. Another thing is we've used uh, we use some of the funding from the COVID grant to reinvest in these businesses by, by, by covering the cost for marketing services to help them launch their websites, launch their social media pages, but even more critical, equipping them on how to manage those social media pages and so that they can be self-reliable and be confident in managing their businesses. And most importantly, I, will I do have to say this, it all comes down to hope for these Black-owned businesses. One thing I've learned through doing this work is that oftentimes, you know, sometimes businesses that are that are that are ran or or entrepreneurs who are entrepreneurs of color and also women as well too, they sometimes can lack the confidence and the belief that the idea that I have is viable and that I can scale it and I can help support my family and also my dream. And so what we've done is we utilize the Lean Canvas business model to help to really take them on a journey from the ideation to also marketing analysis and customer discovery to make them feel confident that, okay, now is the right time for me to go ahead and start that business. Now is the right time to go ahead and invest my own savings into this business because I know it's going gonna, it's gonna to work. And I tell them, don't be like me who just said, I'm going to do it, I'm going to go, and I'm going to run and make it happen. 
you know, had I known about these resources, I probably would have done things a little differently. So I'm, this is our way and my way of, of paying it forward and making sure that these businesses um, thrive and survive during this pandemic. Great. Thank you, Brandon. We're down to about two minutes left. Sorry, the time is going great. Some great conversation. Lakeisha, let me come your way. So um, advice uh, for others that are thinking that are in your that were in a position like you were before thinking about starting the business. What what would be the lasting advice you would give them um, to, as they're thinking about starting their business? Um, just to kind of piggyback off Brandon again, that self-confidence, just believing in yourself that you can actually do it. Um, because again, we can have all the resources in the world, which I've been in almost every entrepreneurship class you could think of in the city of South Bend. But if you don't believe in the product and believe in you, then you will not be successful in your business, especially with me um, cooking gourmet Southern cuisine, which has a huge stigma that I am combating and walking indoors with Notre Dame and St. Mary's College and just really putting this cuisine in a fine dining world, which it deserves to be in. Um, you've got to have that self-confidence. You have to believe in your product and you have to believe in yourself. Great. No, that sounds good. Bianca, how about for you, advice that you would give other entrepreneurs as they're thinking about starting their business? Absolutely. My advice for any entrepreneur that would like to start a business is first have a vision. A vision is enough to be able to start moving forward. But once you have that vision, start implementing little by little, day by day, something that you can do. And then lastly, after you have that vision and you start implementing it, start a partnership, start collaboration, start networking, get your name out there, and also create an environment where you can have that peer review, but you can also receive resources that are necessary to keep your business moving forward. Thank you. Great. No, thank you. What terrific visit today. Thank you. Our time went so quickly, but you have been inspiring to me and I think to so many who've had a chance to watch today. Thank you for being willing to share and thanks for taking risk and believing in, in our communities and filling uh, important needs that are out there. We look forward to having you back in the future for a little update on how your business is going. Thank you. Thank you, thank you thank so you much. Very much. So that's it for our show today. Thank you for watching on WNIT or listening to our podcast. To watch this episode again or our extended version of the show or any of our past episodes, you can find w Economic Outlook at WNIT.org or our podcast on most major podcast platforms, where we encourage you to like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. I'm Jeff Ray. I'll see you next week. This WNIT local production has been made possible in part by viewers like you. Thank you.